Welcome to the Edgerton Life Podcast. I'm Jess Lampy. This is a show where we interview 10 people. These 10 people are people that Andrew Edgerton wanted to interview. Andrew Edgerton had been diagnosed with stage 4 pancreatic cancer, and he wanted to create a podcast that would inspire, motivate, and give information to people that ended up in a similar situation to him. Unfortunately, he was never able to complete this podcast, so this is our effort to finish it for him. Today we'll be interviewing another person that Andrew wanted to interview, Carrie Hammer. We hope you enjoy. Well, I'm so, I'm so honored. I was so excited to see your Facebook message because I, I met Andy, I think, in person only twice, but he just left such an impression on me. And then, of course, we stayed in touch via Facebook, I think, for the last year of his life. And he's just, and, and I, of course, followed all of his stories. And he's so good about updating everyone. And he's just, it was so inspiring to me. It still is so inspiring to me. Well, thank you for taking time out to chat. I really appreciate it. So you, you mentioned you, you'd met him twice in person. How, how did you meet? So did you, do you know Danielle Poza? Did he mention Danielle Poza? Was she on the, his list? I don't think Danielle Poza was on the list, but if okay. she's listening, she was definitely on the list. <laughs> uh, no, she's not. <laughs> do you know who Deepak Chopra is? I do know who Deepak Chopra is. So she's like Deepak Chopra's right-hand woman. She and Deepak Chopra launched this kind of business side of Deepak's business because Danielle's thesis is if you have mindful CEOs, you build mindful businesses, and then you can have a mindful world. And I think that's correct. And and um, so she has is helping Deepak build out this whole kind of mindful enterprise side of his work. And I don't know how Andy met Danielle, but... I think he like just like reached out to her randomly. I don't know. I, he saw her work or something and reached out randomly or saw the event and they hopped on a call and Danielle invited him as her like VIP guest to this event, to their first event. And Andy and I sat down next to each other and he was wearing his gloves because at the time he was going through treatment. And I'm just like a curious, inquisitive person. I'll ask anyone any question and I'll like, I don't care. And I was like, oh, like, you know, hey, I'm Carrie. And oh, and he couldn't shake my hand or he didn't shake my hand. And I was like, oh, well, like, what's with the gloves? And he said, like, very bluntly and very Andy fashion. He's like, oh, I'm dying. I was like, oh, like, I, I'm sorry to hear that. But like, he, like, are, what are you dying from? Like, what, what's uh, like, are you? what's your prognosis what, what's happening like um and we just had a very frank conversation and like went really deep really fast and also under the it was a full day seminar and it was like very much like a deep philosophical day and and there was also like a lot of like partner work like oh you know here's like some ideas and then talk to your partner about or who you're sitting next to about this concept blah 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 so Andy and I got met under very special friend circumstances I think and then he was in town for that week and I was like oh like let's let's get together this weekend and we went to the Whitney and um just had a good chat and just you know went deep quickly he had a real knack for doing that I I felt like more than most people in my life you you feel like you're having a conversation with him it's it's like you haven't missed a beat simultaneously that there's still so much new to talk about yeah, I think I'm similarly like that. So when you have two 
of those people. And then I also have no fear of death and no fear of asking questions and no, like, so I think we both hit it off like on a multitude of levels. And then I think it was kind of a match made in, in heaven for lack of a better term. And, and we just really um, connected. Had he, after his diagnosis, chatted with you or did you have a chance to chat with him? Did he mention any of the projects he was working on? We were um, like kind of on Facebook Messenger a little bit over the past, like the last year of his life. And I was always kind of commenting on all of his Facebook updates and things like that. But I don't remember too much of the specifics. Oh, yeah. So he, <laughs> you're in good company because it seems like of the people that were on this list, he may or may not have mentioned any of his idea to any of them. So his his hope was he wanted to do a podcast in which he could provide motivation, inspiration, and knowledge to people who were dealt a similar hand to him, uh, whether it be diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer or w something else. He, he wanted to create a, like a guiding light, whether it be uh, specific info and how to deal with stuff or motivation and inspiration. So given that that was the space, based on your conversations, what, what do you think he wanted to talk with you about? I know that's a big question. <laughs> it's an interesting question. Yeah, you are on the list of 10 okay. people he thought would be perfect for this. <laughs> so, so Jess, what I'm going to do and reframe this so it's a little bit easier for me to like respond to your questions is I'm going to pretend you're Andy. Is that okay? That works for me. Okay. And like have you be Andy, like embodied asking me the questions, which makes me cry a little bit thinking about that. So given that framework, can I have you re-ask me that question being Andy? All right. So being Andy, uh, I want to keep this as much the spirit as how he would have been blunt, but I can't even do that. I can't even, I can't even come off uh, really, really rapidly like he would with, with something direct and to the point. What advice would you give to people like, like Andy, people like me who are diagnosed with a terminal illness and are seeking knowledge and inspiration and motivation? So two things. One, I haven't been diagnosed with a terminal disease is the first thing that comes to mind. But the second thing that comes to mind is I guess we're all terminal. We're all going to die. There's some people who have been told they're terminal, you know, by a doctor. And there are some people like me who haven't been told I'm imminently terminal yet, of course I am. So I guess the advice I would give is hopefully the same advice I'd give myself, which is be kind to yourself and be kind to those around you. When, I'm young, when we were young or when I was young, everyone says, oh, you know, make a big change, change the world around you, blah, blah, blah. But it sounded so grandiose to me and it sounded so insurmountable. But as I get older, I realize the best way to make a big change in the world is to make a change in myself and how I treat the people around me in a small interaction. There's a song that says, when you smile, the world smiles back at you. And the best way I've ever healed myself, you know, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, you know, physically in whatever small manner is been um, through my, the way I've treated myself and my treatment of others. So what I would tell people who have been handed a terminal illness, it, it's to understand that we're all terminal and yeah, continue to interact in the world in, in a manner of love and kindness.
That's pretty good. I have to admit, I, I enjoy being on the other side of this to some extent because I feel like I ask a very loaded question of people by virtue of the nature of this podcast, and I don't end up getting put in that same spot. <laughs> so I, I thank you. Is there another next question? <laughs> yeah. Well, um, so you you had met each other at the conference. So you were also speaking at the conference as well with what, just as Andy was, or, or was Andy speaking at the conference? No, I should we ask. Were, we were just both guests. And um, yeah, just as participants and guests. Participants and guests, very cool. And so where are, where are the average people coming from who are at this event? I, I guess by nature, describing a group of people like that as average is probably not the most appropriate term. Where, what, what, what were the other type of people that were involved there? It was based in New York. It was based upon mindful leadership. So it was mostly leaders who were interested meditation and, and bringing that into their organizations and thinking about how can I be more of a, a mindful leader and change the world through changing my style of, of you know, leading, for lack of a better word. Because if you're not creating workspaces and dynamics within a workplace that are conducive to a good life, then somebody can you know, be a weekend warrior or meditate as much as they want at home. But it goes back to kindness and empathy and, and everything I was talking about in the last question. If we spend most of our time at work. If we're not creating these powerful, empathetic, kind workplaces, and which, which then trickle out into every other area of our lives, then, then we're, we're just really going to not build a powerful world. I know that Andy was super passionate about mindfulness in general. He and I had chatted with it about a little bit. Given the focus of that, what were what was your impression of his reaction to to what you all were discussing or what you were learning? Yeah, he seemed to be very into it. I, I mean, that's what I think compelled him to reach out to Danielle, um, like essentially cold call her. I don't think it was a cheap event, and and she invited him as her personal guest, which I think was was super kind and lovely of her. I think it, it was right up his alley and right up his ethos. And, and what really left a huge impression on me was how much he believed in mind over matter. And and, and what, it, what was the most incredible impression he left on me was when he sat down and he's like, oh, I have stage four pancreatic cancer and I'm going to beat it. And I like believed him. I was like, yes. You are. And I think in a way he did. Like, yes, he passed away, but he did beat it. He got what he needed out of life and he left the impression he wanted to on people and he's leaving the legacy behind even through this, you know, podcast. And just having that attitude and leaving that impression behind on people I think he did what he set out to do, at least was what I got out of it. And it just really left this huge, huge, huge impression on me, this lasting impression. So I'll never forget that. You raise a really good point. He, he did have that amazing ability to say with confidence that he was fighting it and he was going to beat it. I'm sure he didn't have any illusions about what he had, but you hear him say that. And it's like, oh, yeah, that well, that... That is the way reality is now. Yeah, you create your own reality. Absolutely. And that is so much about mindfulness. You can have a good day or a bad day with the exact same circumstances. And, and that's something I have to continue to remind myself about. Well, you seem to be making your own reality as you, you are currently in China. How, how did you... 
how did you mindfully go from from being in New York to the other side of the world? Yeah, I am currently in China and I really am loving it. There's a couple different things. I came here four years ago. I, I did a fashion show at Shanghai Fashion Week. I had a fashion line and I fell in love with the energy here, the exuberance. It, it feels like, especially in Shanghai, a, a startup, especially the fashion industry, um, even though it, it accounts for over 45% of the luxury spending. And I just made a decision that I was going to spend some of my career here. And about a year ago, uh, I was winding down my fashion line and knew uh, that this was a great time to come over here and, and do some work. And I've, of course, there was resistance. Of course, there was fear. There was a million reasons not to, to come. But I knew that there, if, if I didn't come, there would always be like a what if. And I don't want to ever reach the end of my life. And, and as we're discussing here, we never know when that is. I never want to reach the end of my life and say, well, what if, or have any regrets. And so with that in mind, I decided, you know, just to come here and I didn't have an opportunity yet and I didn't have a job yet. And I came here and I, I've got an amazing freelance opportunity and I am loving it. And it's a beautiful spring day here right now after a, a month of very cold rain, but <laughs> I, I wouldn't give it up for the world and I'll never, ever, ever, ever regret it and having this cultural perspective. So yeah, I think it's really important to decide what we want and then take actions toward it, whatever that may be. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I'm so happy to hear you're in Shanghai and having a great time. It's It's one of my favorite cities that I've ever been to. I went to it back in, it was when they were doing the World Fair there. And yeah, I, I feel like China does a great job of giving you a totally different perspective on the world where I was sitting there walking around, looking at all the construction and stuff that hadn't been there, I think like six months ago, and now suddenly was created. And I was just like imagining, I was like, there are a billion people in this country. And, and and trying to calculate in my head, like if you if you had each person join a basketball team and you and you had them all play each other and you recorded all that, how many hours of television would you have? And then like realizing, like just there's so many people in this place, and it's and it, when you're in the United States, I I kind of feel like you you're not aware of a whole chunk of the world that's just going on. I know. It, it really is amazing. It really gives perspective. But I love that that's the way you tried to determine the scale. The, creating the whole country as a basketball team and the hours of footage. That is, <laughs> that is not how I would, I would think about it, but hilarious. It's actually 1.4 billion now. That's insane. Wow. There's probably a rounding error that is greater than the size of a large U.S. city. Exactly. My, um, the, the best um, statistic that really helped me like metabolize how big China was, was there are eight cities in the United States with over a million people and there are 167 in China. Yeah, they have like Shanghai is what, 20 plus million right now? 30. 30 million. Wow. It's like California. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly.
And that's another thing that's been amazing to me here. I was in New York for nine years and it's really easy to get stuck in the routines, like going to the same places, doing the same things, getting kind of getting caught up in the hive mentality and like routine for routine's sake. And so like breaking up my routine here and, and I have friends here, but you know, I don't have my whole crew. I've really realized what I like to do because I like to do it. I think it's so good to get out of a routine, sometimes out of a place and remember what like your heart loves. I haven't experienced this, what I'm sure is shocking mentality or thought of what having a terminal disease is, but I'm sure that might have a similar effect of just going back to basics. And something for me that has been amazing for uh, me being here in Shanghai is like with all this time, without being in this kind of hive mentality of, of my group in New York, I am back to loving salsa dancing, which has been a great love of my life. I joined a drawing club. I'm doing figure drawing every Sunday. And these are things I, I never made time for when I was in New York. And, and now will be certain to make time for, for hopefully the rest of my life, because I just realized it's so inherently a part of me. Um, but I just didn't find friends with that, that common interest um, in other places I've lived. And I just, uh, I'm really remembering how much I love those things and just trying to make that time, make that space to remember what's important just to you. Absolutely. Man, you're making me feel really nostalgic for, uh, <laughs> for uh, expat life days where I really did feel that like you, you describing it as a hive mind is, is is so accurate because it's it's almost like there's some sort of background monologue that I feel like you can get caught up in living in the states and like a routine that you're just going about stuff and that somehow when you're over there or or in any other country you you, you are completely removed from it and I always love how I can't understand the news or the TV or anything like that when I'm when I'm in a country where I don't know the language cuz like this whole it frees it feels like it frees up a whole portion of my brain to actually be to kind of be bored at times and then come up with stuff that I actually want to do. Oh yeah, exactly. And um I haven't missed the whole Trump news cycle. That has been very refreshing. Cuz it's uh, like I've I've been overseas during other news cycles. I don't know what it's like right now. I'm assuming like it's not even really talked about that much in the news. Is that is that accurate? Yeah, I mean, right now, like the trade war is talked about, but um, more from the Chinese perspective and the business perspective here and not as much like the Trump perspective. Sometimes Chinese people ask me, you know, like, why do your people like Trump? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> this is a great question. <laughs> Amazing. But so they're like, they're not all wrapped up on the day to day. Like, what is uh, this? Is this thing going? You, you probably go weeks without hearing anything about it. Yeah, certainly. Because what I've really realized is unless it's pertinent to your career or job, very few of us need to know the play by play. Top line is, is once a week is, is all I need. And I saw somebody speak at a conference once and he's like, I don't look at Twitter anymore. I don't look at like Facebook newsfeed. He's, he's like, I look at the front page of the New York times every day. And like, that's all I need. And, and, and everything else I call the slow news movement. You know, somebody will tell me because otherwise it's not important enough for me to know. It's like, that's so true. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, when you had a chance to catch up with Andy during a day, what all did you guys talk about? I feel like everything and nothing, you know? And I feel like those are some of my favorite conversations when it's about, you know, when, when it's a less predictable conversation. My, um, I'm, I'm single and, and my rule on first dates is no talking about work because you can almost predict a first conversation with someone. Where are you from? What do you do? Where, you know, blah, blah, blah. And that's not interesting to me. And I don't even think it's interesting to the other person. And what my favorite conversation, like why I love conversations with Andy, because I feel like they were about philosophy and life and feelings and the real stuff. I think the best way to describe it is everything and nothing. And I think that's when you're really connected with a person. And I think these days we're really afraid to do that. And I don't know if it's a social media thing or a face thing or how that is, but I feel like it's very rare to find somebody who is willing to go there. You know, it's funny that you say that. I I was reflecting back on that. I think... I don't think I had a single conversation with Andy that was about work. <laughs> like, I yeah. think he, I think if I brought it up, I think there might've been like one or two times where I would have brought it up, but, but kind of the ideal you're talking about, he would just blow right past it. Be like, yeah. Okay. Anyway, uh, what I want to talk about was, and, and you'd be off to something far more uh, interesting. Yeah. I think there's that quote that said, I don't know what it is, but like shallow people t- talk about people you know, interesting people talk about ideas and th- that really resonates with me. And whenever I, I like enter a conversation and we start talking about other people, or I always try to steer the conversation towards ideas and concepts. And uh, I just, I think that's so fascinating. I want to hear what people's perspectives are and hopefully I learn something from every conversation. And that's what I always liked about like looking to see what Andy was saying or talking to Andy or like, our two conversations in person, which were, you know, pretty deep is, you know, he had ideas, liked to share them and was inquisitive. And I think some people are afraid of sharing their ideas and their perspectives and their views and their positions because they don't want to alienate everyone or anyone. And, um, and, and so kind of just walk the, the middle. And I think as I've grown older is that I prefer to lay all my cards out on the table and just choose a strong position, even if it's unpopular, because then I find my tribe. Absolutely. And I think to some extent, I I personally think, and I, I saw a lot of it with the way Andy would interact with people. If you lay out your opinion and you just, and you just say like, well, this is just the way I am. Most people are like, okay, that's, they'll go, okay, that's the character this person is playing. I'm, I'm comfortable with that. It's almost like when they smell fear that you don't actually have confidence in what you're saying that that you really have people start to doubt you or or that they'll choose to push you outside of their tribe. Yeah, exactly. And uh, what I what I find I admire most in other people and what I certainly admired in Andy is uh, authenticity. Just people who are being so unabashedly themselves. And as someone who works in fashion, the most powerful fashion in the most amazing fashion statements are authentic ones. You know, somebody who closely follows trends is not someone I admire from a fashion perspective, but someone who has such authentic style, who just has such a 
style point of view, even if they wear like a weird shoe hat on their head every day. I'm like, yes, go you shoe hats. Love it. <laughs> have you, have you met someone wearing shoe hats? No, but there's a very famous shoe hat that was designed by, um, it was like a surrealist shoe hat. I forget if it was like um, a Prada, like an, it's, it's like a historic, like in a museum. I would have thought I was super cutting edge had I worn a shoe hat. And now it turns out it has already been thought about. It's been done. <laughs> so you're, you're working, you still are working, you, you said you were doing freelance, but you're in the fashion space in Shanghai? Yeah, I'm working for the rent, like it's the rent the runway of China. Oh, that's cool. I know I'm yeah. doing the thing that we just said is not what you're supposed to do, which is talk about people's work. But I am I am curious. So you're uh, what what is Rent the Runway in China? It's called Miss Paris. And uh, have you heard of the rent, rent the Runway of the United States? No, I'm not familiar. So it's basically, they call it like the closet in the cloud. You can rent unlimited pieces of luxury fashion clothing for a fee a month. And it's like sustainable and fashionable and like the future of clothing and retail and uh, like everything in China. Eventually what happens in the West gets copied over here, um, but bigger and better, no, not better, but you know, definitely bigger. I, I certainly believe in, in fashion and I definitely believe in sustainability, especially with 1.4 billion people. So I'm working with them. That's a really cool work. I, I, I am a huge fan and they seem to be doing a lot of models, like, like all the bike sharing programs that are coming up in the United States that I think people thought might be new or, or unique to here. That actually has been going on for a long time over there. Oh, yeah. Long time. What are you seeing over there that is bleeding edge now? Like that you're, you, you got there and you're like, whoa, I can't believe they already have this. I just can't believe how seamless payments are. They just payments, everything is on your phone. Like everything's a QR code. You never, I, I, I never bring anything out except my phone. It's every, like, it's my wallet. It's my, it's my everything. It's my MetroCard. Um, I haven't used a credit card for as long as I've been here. Oh, that's amazing. That is yeah. definitely different. Yeah, no, it is. It is crazy. When when I went back to the States and I had to like pull out a credit card, it was like painful. <laughs> that's so cool to hear that. Because when I when I was there and I came back to the States, it was painful. The instances I had to use cash or an ATM. I was like, why am I doing this? I could just be using a card. Now it's a QR code. Now it's a QR code. That's crazy. <laughs> And some places you don't interact with a waitress. You just scan the QR code on a table and the menu comes up and like you click what you want and then the waitress comes over with your food. That is nuts. Yeah. Do you, how much longer are you expecting to stay over there? Are you, are you in it for a while or are you? Uh, no, my, con my contract ends in, in two months. So uh, just here for, for a short stint. Um, but I, or, well, I've been here for 10 months, so, so it's a year, but. Uh, really, really love my time. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, what, what, uh, what, uh, what part of Shanghai are you in right now? I'm in the French concession, the former French concession. Oh, lovely. I, that is a fun place to be. Well, Carrie, thank you so much for taking time out today to connect and, and chat with me. I really appreciate it. Of course. Anything for Andy? I know it means a lot to his, his family and the foundation that all the people that were on his list were willing to to connect. And so uh, on behalf of them as well, thank you so much. Really, really great chatting with you. I am honored that he thought of me and um, 
it's incredible that he even had the foresight to think of this and he he's leaving behind of course a beautiful legacy absolutely oh, well thank you so much for the conversation and um I, I it's amazing that you're doing this for the family and i hope you continue to have very fruitful conversations thank you very much and enjoy uh, your two more months in shanghai and then wherever the road leads you thank you so much talk to you later take care gary